All over the planet, the COVID-19 pandemic has turned our lives upside down. For the essential workers who are still out there, the healthcare workers saving lives, but also grocery store cashiers, cleaners, security officers, delivery people, it's a full-blown catastrophe. These mainly low-wage workers are the ones keeping the country running, as many of us are safe at home. Congress needs to ensure in the next stimulus that all essential workers, from grocery store workers to airport workers to cleaners and more, have essential pay, protective, uh, personal protective equipment, and layoff protections they need. COVID-19 has unmasked the structural inequality that exists for frontline workers, the low wages they are paid, and the lack of respect given for the jobs they do. Many don't earn a living wage which, according to the MIT Living Wage Calculator, is $26.73 an hour for one adult and one child in Newcastle County. Comrades, patrons, workers of the world, welcome to Highlands Bunker. Uh, we're in the shadow of Rockford Tower, deep inside the Delaware Way-occupied Wilmington. Uh, we are Intel Gathering, and Carl and I still own all the means of production. Uh, I am very pleased to introduce uh, my guest this evening. Uh, she uh, is the author of the op-ed, which I excerpt uh, in the beginning. Uh, she represents as the director of the Mid-Atlantic Local, the Service Workers International Union. Uh, this is Daisy Cruz. Daisy, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I, I, I noticed when uh, I reached out that we actually, I think, not really met, but our paths crossed. Uh, so Carl, my producer, and some um, uh, friends and, and organizers and activists, uh, friends of ours, uh, were in Dover at Legislative Hall in January for the Fight to Fifteen rally, Fight for Fifteen rally, which I think you organized or you were—I I think you spoke. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, so that was—I—I—I um, uh, I, I enjoyed going down. There was a little little light rain falling and. Um, yeah, I was I was happy to go down there and uh, and meet a few people. We went with uh, some folks from Working Families Party. Yeah. yeah, before we get into the op-ed you've written and really what the impacts of COVID have been for frontline workers, can you just give us a, a, a little bit of an overview of what type of workers are in local uh, 32BJ of uh, SEIU? Uh, sure. So SEIU 32BJ is a property service local um, we are across the eastern side of the United States from New York, um, Connecticut, New Jersey, um, Boston, down to Florida, state of Pennsylvania. Um, so we represent close to 175,000 workers um, and they're property service workers from doormen to porters to janitorial staff, security officers, food service workers and airport workers as well. Um, so, you know, we, we, you know, continue to organize, um, the, you know, low wage workers who, you know, are struggling every day and, um, who do all the work that sometimes people don't see and, um, or what well, we always say, those are the people that are hidden, 
behind everything that's going on and people sometimes don't realize who they are, what they're doing. Um, and they have uh, been brought to light a lot more during this pandemic, um, uh, especially, you know, you know, on the cleaning and on the security side. Um, so that's what we are. We're a property service worker uh, union, and we are constantly, you know, fighting for workers, fighting for workers' rights, um, rate, trying to raise wages, fighting for, you know, workers that are not union. You know, we are in the fight for fight for 15 for all workers, um, just like you said in the op-ed, you know, for a single person, a single parent to just take care of a child and their everyday needs to and from work and just take care of their basic needs, rent and, and bills. It, you know, according to MIT, it needs to, at least over, you know, you need to be making at least $27 an hour. Yeah, I think that's important to, um, to, to sort of dig into a little bit deeper. I read it as part of the op-ed that she'd written. But really what that means is it takes into account, as you said, rent, um, all sort of average expenses in a particular area. And when you realize that you would need just for the minimum, uh, for the minimum expenses, you know, 23, 24, $25 an hour, I think people can, can sort of understand, can sort of understand what sort of, um, precarious position, um, these workers are in. But at the same time, realizing that these are the folks who are keeping us in a time like this between, you know, sort of uh, civilization and full collapse. I mean, if you couldn't go to the grocery store right now, um, what would people be doing? I, you know, I mean, exactly. it's, 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 it's mind it's mind boggling. Um, you told a couple of uh, of great stories in the op ed. I don't know if you want to share one of those or, or another one. I'm sure you have tons, but. I just wanted to try to level set everybody and kind of have people think about it at a at a family level or at a personal level. So I don't know if you if you have anything you'd like to share like that. Sure. I mean, we have many many workers that we um, you know that have been completely you know not only just our workers, just working people um, across the United States who have been affected by this pandemic that um, you know no one expected. And of course, in my lifetime, I've never gone through anything like this. Um, but, you know, we, we have members, just like we talked about the member that's in the op-ed who, who, you know, cannot, you know, she's a cleaner and she cannot do her job from home. You know, some members have been laid off. Some members have had to take a layoff because their children, there's no childcare, the schools are closed down and children cannot take care of themselves. Um, and, and, you know, but at the, but still, just like we've talked about, you know, rent still due, bills need to be paid and food needs to still be put on the table. And, you know, a lot of our members, um, this is what, you know, this is what their story is right now. It's like those who are not able to work um, because of the situation that we're in, what's going to happen to them, especially when they have children at home or are taking care of a sick loved one. But we also have members who are at work. Um, every single day who, because of the pandemic, transportation has been cut down, not only in Delaware, but in the state of Pennsylvania, you know, bus routes have been um, either cut or bus routes have been altered and they're not running on a regular schedule. So now members have to, you know, try to figure out another way uh, to get to and from work. And at this point, it's not safe for you to carpool how people used to do um, when stuff, you know, when when something's going on with the public transportation, so that's an extra cost, and now there's some of them have to take an Uber ride, and and that's you know that's it's a, it's more money that they actually have to put out. So that's you know one of the reasons why we're you know lobbying 
for members to, you know, who have to go to work every day, who are cleaning these buildings, keeping these buildings safe for people that are working in these buildings. Um, also, we have security officers that are securing these buildings at the same time to make sure that everything's done right. We, you know, we're fighting for them to have some type of essential pay um, so that these extra costs that they now are incurring um, can be covered. Also, we're, you know, fighting for layoff protection so that members who, you know, if something happens and they do have to be laid off, that they, you know, keep staff to work at, at some type of, some, some type of, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say, you know, some type of level of people continuing to work, um, of course, in a safe environment, but also, you know, being protected from being laid off. Um, and especially having proper PPE. And that's one of the things that um, we are still struggling with. We know that there's a shortage, shortage of masks. And of course, we want to make sure that, you know, doctors and nurses, you know, have all that. But these workers who are in these supermarkets who are cleaning these buildings, securing these buildings, um, you know, some of, some of them that are union and the employers are trying to do the right thing. Some of them are just have like one disposable mask and they're supposed to use for the whole week while they're doing their job. Um, so, you know, that's why we're fighting for, you know, more, more equipment, more proper equipment so that these members are secure for the, all workers across union, non-unions, for workers to be protected in the jobs that they're doing every single day so that we are kept safe. Um, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of people who are able to do their work from home. But a lot of the our 32 BJ members are not able to do their work from home. They can't protect the building while sitting at home. They can't clean a building while um, sitting at home. They can't clean a school or maintain a school while they're at, while they're at home. So that's the reason why we're just pushing and you know trying to bring to light to everyone you know about these workers who are are considered also frontline workers. Um, and people sometimes, you know, don't see them. They're in the shadows because you don't see them at night when they're cleaning the building when you go home, you know, to your family. Or, you know, the security officer who's working a night shift, you know, you see the security officer in the day, you say hello, but what about the security officer that's protecting the building while you're not there? Um, those are the things that, you know, we just want to make sure to bring to light um, that these workers are working every day. They are very thankful to be working. They're very... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I can only think of it in Spanish right now. <laughs> um, they're very proud to do the work that they're doing. They're very proud to do the work that they're doing, but we want to make sure that they have, you know, everything that they need. And this is not only for, you know, 32 BJ members, but, you know, this is what we're fighting for all workers across the United States. Yeah, so let's, let's break it down to the three asks that you mentioned and really uh, talk about detail so people know what the, what the ask is. Um, because I'm going to push people to I'm going to push people to lobby for it. So let's let's talk about it. So the fir the first one's essential pay. Um, as as we've documented, as we know, the, the the pay for these folks is low wage, minimum wage. It's not a, it's not sustainable. That's why you have uh, child care issues because two people have to work or you have to work two jobs or whatever it is. Um, if you're going um, basically on the front line to keep us. Uh, to to keep it moving, however we can in a in a worldwide uh, pandemic and, and and in this situation, we really should be looking at um, pay and, and and more pay now for the folks that are doing this. Do you have a specific number, and who are you lobbying, and what what kind of um, what kind what kind of legislation would you like to see to uh, to address this? Yeah, 
Right. We don't have a specific number. We're just saying, you know, that they have to look into it, come okay. up with something, and we're lobbying our senators across all the states that we're in, our senators, in um, all our in all our state representatives. That's who we're lobbying. So we don't have a specific number where we want Got them it. to yeah, consider I, I and, and know that these workers, you know, who are who are, you know, basically putting their lives on the line every day. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, and I had seen, I think uh, I got my wires crossed because I had seen a few, maybe a few locals and, and maybe not this union, but at least be able to get some sort of hazard pay um, or, you know, whatever kind of premium uh, might be written into some sort of pay because, you know, it is it is very dangerous. Uh, and that leads us to the second thing is the PPE, um, the, the personal protection equipment. Um, obviously, there's a shortage um, and... You know, that's a difficult thing that, you know, people are going to have to work through. Um, but people really should not be asked to go do these jobs without um, without any kind of safety or without the things that we know are proven to at least take the steps they need to try to keep themselves safe. They're going home to families. Maybe they're taking care of older folks or extended family members, or they're just be having to interact with people during the day. And, you know, we need to keep everybody safe. Um, what has been done and what hasn't been done? I mean, you mentioned this, you mentioned the situation about having to recycle masks over the course of a week. Um, are, are there any other kind of stories about that of, of sort of unsafe situations like that? Yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, I think with everything with this pandemic, we're all learning and even the employers and we do have a lot of responsible union employers who have been doing everything that they can, of course, uh, to make sure that the staff are being kept um, safe. Um, but we, you know, as the situation, especially in the time that we're now thinking about um, opening up the economy and open up businesses, and, and believe me, we all understand why that has to be done. We have to make sure that everything's done in a safe, in a safe way. Um, and just like that one example about the mask, you know, we've had other employers who, you know, have, you know, contacted a seamstress or, you know, have gotten some type of communication with someone or have, have been referred to someone who's actually making masks for some of our members. And we just want to make sure that they have the proper gloves, equipment, especially when they're thinking about opening businesses and people going back into a lot of these buildings. Um, we want to make sure that, you know, the people who are make, trying to keep us safe and cleaning the buildings, that they have, you know, proper masks, that they have proper gloves, that they have the right disinfectant and that they have, you know, you know, some of these some of these members are actually going into um, office buildings or um, office spaces where someone has been um, someone has tested positive in that space. So they are the ones who have to go in there and disinfect that that area. So that we want to make sure that they have you know the suits, everything that they actually need to go in there and do that work. Um, you know. To just make sure that everything is safe, but just like you said, they also have families. They have to travel to and back from work, and we don't want them to bring anything back to their families. We don't want anything to happen to them. So that's especially what we, you know. Of course, we want hazard pay um, because this is, you know, it's 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 they're spending more money in in, in just their everyday lives now. But most importantly, we are really lobbying for proper equipment. Um, and again, like I said, we have a lot of employers who have done everything that they possibly can in the situation that we're in to provide the equipment, 
but we also, you know, are fighting for those workers who don't have a union or don't have a responsible employer who are not, you know, who are just taking these chances every day and not, you know, and not, and not properly equipping these, these workers every single day. Absolutely. And and the last thing I want to touch on before I get to the reopening situation, because I, I'm interested in your in your thoughts on that. But um, the unemployment and layoff protections, you know, um, there are a lot of workers, a lot of, uh, you know, sort of privileged white collar workers who, you know, either can work from home or work a flexible schedule or, you know, have things available to them through benefits like FMLA and all of these things. Um, but when you're essential uh, and you're doing these kind of jobs, it's much more difficult, and some of those protections aren't there. Uh, and so I didn't want to miss that uh, because I, I, I think that's going to be, you know, we're really going to have to think long term about schools, families, and how it's going to affect people like that. And so I think we're going to have to get a, a lot more creative and sort of imaginative about what sort of benefits. Um, should be extended, uh, especially to, to people who are doing absolutely the most essential work. Yes. You know, well, you know, we have many ideas, you know, and again, we don't have all the answers, but definitely these workers, just like you said, and it has, and we've seen, especially with our members that, you know, that some who have been laid off or some who don't have the option uh, to stay home because they can't do their work from home. We are asking, you know, that if, you know, if wherever, in a situation, I'll give you examples, in a situation if someone gets sick, you know, we want to make sure that they are protected. You know, some members don't have the, the option to have FMLA. Some of them don't have um, sick time, you know, available to them. You know, thank God, you know, because our members have fought for good contracts. They do have vacation time. They have personal time. Um, and we have also fought for uh, paid sick leave across all of our states. Um, but... <clears throat> We also want to make sure that, you know, that our government and, you know, our state representatives are looking into having some type of, um, in, not an incentive, but just extra protection that if they don't have, you know, sick time available to them, that there's sick time that's available to them if they do get, you know, they, they do have to get quarantined and they do get sick and that they are able, you know, don't have to make the choice of deciding, do I come into work? even though I'm not feeling well or I have a symptom or if I was, you know, if I was somehow around someone who actually had, you know, had, had the virus, they shouldn't have to make that choice. They should be able to stay home and take care of themselves so that they're not going out there infecting anyone or, you know, or that they have, you know, bigger health problems. Um, so those are one of the things <clears throat> that we're looking into, like these layoff protections, um, also making sure that they have their health care, that their health care is extended. Um, you know, in some of our situations, we have, again, we have had some really responsible employers who <clears throat> has agreed with the union that even for members that had to be laid off because of the, their, the capacity in the building, there was a lot more vacancies, so not everyone was needed in the building. We were able to reach an agreement that their health care was extended for an additional 60 days. Um, from the day that they were laid off. So those were those are things that we were able to get, but we also want to see, you know, want the government to get involved and be able to provide especially health care to our members and to all working people. I keep saying our members because that's what I'm used to talking about every single day. But to all workers that they again they don't they don't have to worry about 
going bankrupt or worry about going to go to the doctor over and about trying to get a test uh, because they don't have health care at this point. Yeah, I think this situation really should be a game changer on health care. Um, I hope that, and, and I think you said it perfectly, I was writing some notes earlier today and I'm thinking, you know, we have to lobby and keep these issues, you know, high on everybody's priority list, um, but extending it out to every worker and making sure everybody and everybody's family uh, has the health care they need just to, just to ensure that, um, you know, we can get back on our feet after something like this. So, you know, I've always said we've, we should have always had it all along. Um, but if this is a situation that's going to sort of expose uh, the way people sort of fall through the cracks, uh, the way people don't get the care they need, they're insecure with their families and their health care, I think hopefully this is something that people can can use to continue to push on that because it really is just a human right uh, for not only your members and the brothers and sisters uh, of uh of SEIU uh, 32BJ, but all workers and all real, all humans in the country, really. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope that's something that everybody can get behind. So um, the last thing I kind of wanted to um, touch on was the reopening uh, and the plans sort of in the mid-Atlantic, at least, um, or the, the, the places that we're most concerned with. Um, I know it's a sort of um, a controversial issue. And I guess my my feeling is um, similar to yours. Um, I, I understand why we need to, in some measured way, kind of move forward and and try to uh, accept there's going to be changes, but try to get things together. But it seems like the most um, the loudest sort of most active folks talking about reopening are not the service workers, um, but the people who want to be served. And that's always a scary proposition for me, uh, because if 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 the if the if the workers understand it and if the workers are getting the protection and they're getting the pay and the PPE, that's fine. But um, there's a real there's a real complicated issue here. And I'm, I'm I know that you sort of said that you understood, you know, the need to reopen in some fashion, too. And I, I think everybody understands that. But I wonder um, sort of what your position is on how that should work just in general uh, in this area. Yeah, um, you know, my personal opinion, and I know that I'm speaking on behalf of 32BJ, and, you know, and, and I probably have a lot of colleagues that, you know, support, you know, or are thinking the same way. You know, we definitely want the economy and businesses to start opening back up, because, you know, that means workers coming back to work. But, you know, at this time, we were all caught off guard. I don't, you know, I can personally say for myself, I didn't expect that I was going to be working from home, even when there was talk that businesses or offices were going to be shutting down. I really thought that I was going to be in the office and still have my union reps, you know, just remotely working from, you know, from their homes. Um, and, and, you know, things completely changed. So we were completely caught off guard. Um, I, you know, we, 32BJ has lost over 100 members to COVID. Um, which has been heartbreaking, you know, especially with these conversations that we have to have with the family members. Um, 
you know, because this, you know, not only are you losing human life, but, you know, losing a human, you know, losing a family member, that affects the whole family. And what we want to make sure is that we're not caught off guard again. We want to make sure that there's proper testing, that there's enough testing, that there's enough PPE um, equipment available. I mean, we're still fighting for proper PPE equipment and for more masks to be available. Um, and we just want to make sure that everything is in place um, better than what we were completely caught off guard. Um, and, you know, I don't, like, again, I don't think anyone expected it. Um, and it was just still surprising to me for me to still hear conversations from, you know, from working people, from members who were trying to get tested and couldn't get tested, even if they were, they had some of the symptoms. And again, I know that a lot of people were caught off guard and, you know, in the healthcare system and they were all overwhelmed and, and, and are still doing an amazing job and putting their lives on the line every day and trying to do everything that they can for everyone. But I think with the economy, we have to, we know that it's going to be a new normal. It's, you know, it's going to be something new that we're going to have to be dealing with, with social distancing. And for those who believe that this thing is real, for those who believe that stuff is not real, we can personally say from 32 BJ that, you know, it's not, um, it's kind of a feeling when you're hearing that over 100 of your members have passed away um, from COVID and we still have more members who are finding out are infected. Um, you know, and of course, I'm a woman of faith, and I continue to pray for everyone. But we just want to make sure that when these states start opening, that things are done up, that um, more equipment, more resources are available. Um, you know, really, just that we are much that we are in a better place and better prepared than we were, but I think two months ago when everything hit the fan. Yeah, absolutely. Well, everybody was, as you said before, everybody was kind of caught off guard because it's such a, uh, a you know, nobody, nobody in living memory has ever uh, ha been in, in, been a part of anything like this. Um, right. So, you know, there is some expectation that it's going to, it's going to take some time for people to reorient. And again, I think that's why it's so important to say, you know, there's not going to be uh, something specifically normal. And now's the time that we need to recognize uh, sort of what's important, who needs the most protection, who needs to, you know, be treated in a humane way. And it's, it's really everybody. Um, so lobbying has to continue, everyone. Um, protect essential workers. That's, the, that's the, the, the phrase of the day. Uh, Daisy, yeah. thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so uh, much. Thank you for I, having me. Absolutely. I, I'm I'm glad you uh, you joined us. Um, this uh, will be out in about a week, and I'll make sure that um, we get some tags on it and we get some people pushing to make sure that um, all workers are thought of and that when we do start to have tough decisions about how we are going to move forward after this, um, that the, the, the workers of the state and the workers of the country and the workers of the world um, are thought of. So, um, Daisy, once again, thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. You have a nice evening. You stay safe and stay well. Yeah, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. And thank you. And thank you too, Tracy. Thanks. Thank you. Take care.
from um, working from working families part from, from work from working families party. Yeah.